millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Match Ball. The show's brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Hello, I'm Dan Moylan with me, Michael Normanson. Hello. So is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. The Matchball 30, a real-time journey back from promotion in 1990 to lifting the league title in 1992. Game by game, real-time journey where we do a matchball on the 30th anniversary of every match along the way. And today we go back in time not just 30 years, but it probably feels like about 60 years to a ground that's small, it's pokey, and it's Wimbledon, it's Plough Lane. For listeners under a certain vintage, this is going to be all very confusing, is the Wimbledon experience. I must admit, I think of Wimbledon as playing at Crystal Palace, is what my my memory of Wimbledon is. But yeah, it's a great, it's a great stadium, isn't it, this? Oh, the atmosphere. Accommodating 6,800 spectators today for our, our visit to... Uh, to the uh, the tennis arena is that what it's called it's a nice round number anyway it's it is very precise i'm always suspicious of when you get a very round even attendance figure like this you get it at world cups don't you when they say the attendance was eighty five thousand. you think hmm was it was it though the lineups for today's game then john lukic in goal defense made up of mel sterland and mike whitlow at full backs with the center halves john mcclelland and chris white so chris fairclough is still absent Midfield, the famous four, though. Batty Strachan, McAllister Speed, and Shutt and Chapman up front. Fairclough is on the bench, though, alongside Andy Williams. Uh, for Wimbledon, Hans Sagers, Keith Curl, Roger Joseph, Dean Blackwell, John Scales, uh, Warren Barton, Gary Elkins, Laurie Sanchez, John Fashionu, Steve Anthrobus, what a great name that is, Andy Clark, with Mickey Bennett and Alan Cork on the bench for them, and Ray Harford is their manager. A lot of creativity in that team, a lot of exciting, skillful players you look forward to seeing. John Scales, we want to keep an eye on him. Hopefully one day we might be able to sign him. Well, we let him go once. He was in, uh, in our boys' team on a few occasions. Doesn't, doesn't it just feel destiny, though, that he's going to come home one day? Hope so. He's a good defender. They're all good defenders. I mean, it's Wimbledon, good defenders is what they do. They've been unbeaten for 10 games until they let Scum beat them. And they've actually not lost at the picturesque Plough Lane Stadium all season. 20 points from 24. Do you think Fairclough was fit to play, but going up against Fashionu, they just thought, eh, maybe not yet. Maybe let, let McClellan take those elbows for today. I could picture Fashionu accidentally landing on his ankle after an aerial challenge. And revenge is the talk that's in the air. That's the word that, uh, that Ray Harford is touting about in the build-up to this, because they lost badly at Leeds over Christmas, and it's up to us to get our revenge. 3-0 it was, wasn't it? It was, and they were terrible. But it's a results business, so you can't really argue with with Wimbledon from from that point of view being unbeaten for so long and so strong at home it's I mean, not an easy place to go is the the cliche and Wimbledon's presence in the first division 
remembering it as a, a first division that was not necessarily the most stylish in any case. They did kind of drag things down to the fourth division. But they got there by right, didn't they? They, they absolutely did. And still better than Milton Keynes. Yes. Well, it's where they should. They're at least playing at home. In the correct city and district of that city. Now, one of the other significant factors with this one is the Zenith Data Systems Cup, which you'll be aware we came ever so close to that trip to Wembley. Didn't want to go anywhere. No, of course not. It's, when it's, we could be at Plough Lane. It's the booby prize, yes. If we're going to London this weekend, we want to be going to dilapidated Plough Lane and not to Wembley Stadium, to be fair, which was also dilapidated at this stage. It was bigger, though. It did have that going for it. That's Pro- true. Probably yeah, only true. had 6,800 people in it for, <laughs> for the ZDS final anyway. 52,000 was the attendance for that. Oh, that's not bad, is it? Half full. Still piss poor, isn't it, for a Wembley final, though. You can't, you can't be having that. Um, well, this is one of our games in hand on Palace. This is a significant factor in all this because they're playing in the final on Sunday, which is tomorrow, as it was in 1991. Palace beat Everton 4-1 in extra time in this one. So it was uh, a good day out for them. Yes, although the game is tomorrow, we know the result. <laughs> I, th- I think we don't have to pretend that this is really happening. Like <laughs> You said it was happening tomorrow. So yes, Crystal Palace are the mighty ZDS Cup champions and Neville Southall had a mighty... Strop stayed on the pitch while the rest of the team went up to get their runners-up medals, refused to take one home. That's the second protest we've seen from Big Nev this season. He's not happy, is he? He wasn't even happy, I mean, if we are talking about the future, when Everton won the FA Cup in 1995, he, he just he was going home, didn't want to stay out and celebrate. He, was just, he had his car and he wasn't going to, back to the hotel with the lads. He was just driving home to Liverpool because he didn't want to be hanging around with that lot. Well, if we win today... It will put us three points behind Crystal Palace with that game still in hand. So this is the chance, the final push for Europe. It feels like it's on. Although conditions are not the best at Plough Lane for <laughs> our stylish brand of um, creative, expansive football that Leeds United under Howard Wilkinson were famous for. There are levels to these things, aren't there? Because while we do have a reputation for basically just kicking it to Chapman's head, which which does come in, we still try and play it. A bit more football. We still have Gary McAllister in the middle, don't we? And Gordon Strachan. And there are, there are good things that could happen in midfield. Yeah, we're, we're refining our style, aren't we? It's not just about hitting Chapman. It's about hitting Chapman with finesse. Well, that's it. I mean, the difference was always Wimbledon, it's get the ball up, fight for scraps, whatever. With Leeds, it was get the ball forward. Chapman wins the header. Batty wins the knockdown. And then he gives it to Strachan, McAllister, speed, and we play. The idea was to play in the opposition's final third and not worry too much about how the ball gets there, whereas Wimbledon just didn't play. Put so, it high and watch some violence. So there was there was a, a similarity in one sense, wasn't there? Like say it's that basic get it forward within three passes or within you know six seconds or whatever that the whole you know uh, Charles Hughes school of, of football coaching was all about back in this era. But there was some yeah some class in the lead side, classless Wimbledon though. Well, here's a sentence that will uh, will make you grin and grimace in equal measure. Because in the first half, we're playing up the slope and into a strong wind. I mean, the fact that there's a slope on a modern day football ground. Man, you do you do still see them. Like Newcastle's got a very pronounced slope going down the hill, hasn't it? Put them in new grounds, I say. Why haven't Spurs had a slope put in? That's the ideal for the NFL to play on as well. <laughs> Introduce it to other sports. The ball just rolling off the penalty spot. I remember playing a game, sort of primary school era, against a team that. God knows why they'd put a football pitch on this hill. Because it would, if you put the ball down for a corner, it'd roll. Yeah, I remember playing Calverley in um, like under-11s. It was a full-size man's pitch with the 10-year-olds on it and the, the biggest slope and wind you've ever seen. Just <laughs> just ridiculous. But anyway, a good leveller, I suppose. We lost 5-0. I still remember it <laughs> to this day. But Wimbledon did them no good. 
It didn't, and we went 1-0 up quite early on, actually, in this one. And it is, uh, we are doing the right thing by keeping the ball off the ground as much as possible here. It's a, a corner's cleared, then McAllister chips it down the wing and Strachan with a, a first-time cross, which is, it's a beautifully sort of finessed outside of the boot cross and then a classic Chapman header at the back post. I mean, this was pure Wimbledon was the header in the execution, wasn't it? But The cross, though, that's not a Wimbledon cross. That's, no. a, that's a delicate, it would have looked nice as like a Pablo Hernandez through ball in the modern era with that type of a pass. You could credit Pablo Hernandez with McAllister's little chip to Strachan as well because the ball's headed out the penalty area. He first time chips it in back into the corner where Strachan's sort of over his head for him to run onto. And when it bounces, there's just a little bit of backspin on it. So Laurie Sanchez isn't playing that ball, is he? No, he's not. So it's, it is McAllister's teed up. You can tell, I mean, McAllister's other great interest is golf. And it's really like he's just he's just golfed that ball right into Strachan's path. Are you a golfer, Moscow? That's what are you doing there? You, you golf it, yeah. You golf it, and if it goes in the hole, you shout, "That's a golf!" Yeah, <laughs> a golfing one. And when and when you when you're on the tee and you're about to take your first golf, um, yeah. if the ball's going to go down the fairway to warn people it's coming, you got to shout, "Golf!" Yeah. You? And at yeah. the end, you, you bats out and you <laughs> you give it a good a good serve, a good golfing. Yeah. At the end, you talk about how many golfs you got, and the one with the most. Golf's wins. It's, it's three wins. points. Is it three points for a golf? If you get it, it in is now. Yeah, it used to be two. All right, three. Excellent. Prior to this goal, actually, we'd had a chance before that. Strachan with some megs on uh, on Gary Elkins, but didn't quite manage it. No, we're. I mean, we're much better than Wimbledon. That's quickly established. The slope is irrelevant. The wind doesn't matter. We actually have footballers who can play football and deal with what's going on. And also a striker. I mean, I will take. 10 John Fash news before I give you Lee Chapman. Um, his header, we can't gloss over the quality of the header. It's a great cross, so it's it's right there for him, but not everybody gets in front of Keith Curl and just heads it in that way and following it up, up as well. I always like it when um, he doesn't fly into the net on this one, but he ends up in the net. So he kind of gets lands on his feet and then momentum takes him into the back of the goal. And it's always nice to see the ball and Lee Chapman in the back of the net. Yeah, like. Obviously, he slid on his face earlier in the season, whereas here he passed straight through with limbs all the way through, like some sort of cheese grater, like in the cartoons. But yeah, um, good to see us dealing with this team. Who, Like you say, you see this game and inexplicable that they're so high in the division when they're so basic. Yeah, and then even the second half, John Fashionew has to go off because he hurt his ankle while they're tangling with Mel Sterling. So he's replaced by Alan Clark. Which, Alan um, Clark? Um, sorry, replaced by Alan Cork. Um <laughs> They probably have been better. Alan Clark would have been about 40 at this point, so probably still could have done a job. Maybe You're managing 45. Barnsley, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, Alan Cork always looked older than the oldest person you've ever seen. So it's a piece of paper between Cork and Clark. And I was confused because they've also got Andy Clark up front, who I think they just signed for £20,000 from Barnet or somebody like that. He clips the bar with a, a lob, but that's it from them. Alan Cork had a beard, which... In the modern era, you would kind of associate with someone working in like a trendy coffee shop or a, a craft beer place, wouldn't you? But he managed to couple it with sort of thinning old man hair and just a general look that made him look, uh, I don't know, he looked like a, more like an old fisherman I mean, or something. He, yeah, he was born in 1959. I've just had a look. So that is quite a long time ago. It was for a bet, his beard, I'm sure. Yeah, there we go. He refused to shave it until the end of their FA Cup run in 1992-93. So... um 
that was his thing. And that was when they got into the semi-finals against Sheffield Wednesday. But um, yeah, he did always look like a um, a wizened fisherman and shorts for his height. <laughs> what does that mean? It, well, how old was how um, how tall do you think Alan Cork was? Well, I know because I've got his Wikipedia open. So if that's to be believed, Michael, I think he was being like six one or something. I always picture him as being like five foot six, but he was six foot. I never imagined him being a big player for some reason. That's what I mean by short for his height. He, he has the appearance of being quite a short person, but he's actually six foot tall. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We were doing Wimbledon down a bit in the first half there, but there was plenty of pressure from them, but White and McClellan very much up to the task. Yeah, just head the balls away. You're not beating those two. McClellan is, I think he's 35 at this point. He was uh, captain of Rangers at one point and captain of Northern Ireland. He's done everything. He can cope with John Fashnier, who isn't even on the pitch in the second half. That makes life a lot easier. Yeah, he'd hurt that ankle. Uh, A couple of other chances to talk about. Um, Andy Clark. Clipped the bar with a lob at one point. Fine. Didn't go in, did it? The other way of dealing with um, Wimbledon was just to catch them offside. The famously speedy Alan Cork trying to burst through the offside trap, presumably. So, and Whitlow obviously is uh, outracing everybody. The only, the only problem you had playing the offside trap with Whitlow was trying to restrain him from running running too far in, in one direction. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, not to besmirch Wimbledon and their particular style of play but Strachan was very vocal as he was vocal in every game but he was so loud in Plough Lane that his um, his directions to his teammates were audible in the stands and one home fan throughout the game kept shouting back from the terraces <laughs> to tell him to shut up so that's that's kind of how the football was going it's like you know oh, speedy run down the wing shut up <laughs> <laughs> Lost in the, the wind, carrying it off over to the tennis courts over there, and uh, and Wilkinson's summary of uh, of the game, I think, sums up exactly what it was. We played football when we could, and worked hard when we could not. Nailed it there, and a one nil win will do very well. 
I mean, Ray Harford was quite magnanimous, actually, and said that we deserve to win. Not far behind Arsenal, apparently. And that's not a bad thing, is it? Well, to be fair, we have gone toe-to-toe with them so many times this season already that we know we're about on a par with them. And he's he's right as well in saying they could do with someone like Alan Smith or Paul Paul Merson up front and they need to be stronger at left-back. And I'm sure those are things we will look at in the summer. I mean, I would take issue with him about the left-back situation. I can only assume (laughs) it's because uh, Chris Kamara and Jim Beglin and obviously Peter Haddock and Glenn Snodden are all struggling with injuries, but obviously the first choice player we have in that position cannot be improved upon anywhere in the first division. Um, but yeah, and a partner for Chapman, that talk about are we going to sign a striker has never gone away all season. So yeah, Ray Harford, well done for watching Leeds and learning from it. A couple of significant things from today's game. The 400th league appearance of John Lukic which ain't bad. Uh, a competent rather than spectacular victory, the YEP described it as um, in highlighting this record. And the third league double in eight productive days is how it was described in that report too. So we've uh, we've done over a good few teams this season, actually. We should be proud of what we've done. And Wimbledon, for all, they're not actually very good. They do get good results at home, so it was a potential banana skin. The first time they've lost all season. So to bring you the table as it stands now, and are we on Arsenal's coattails? Well, we're not in terms of points, but maybe in terms of standards. We are, however, right back on the coattails of Crystal Palace. So the top of the league table looks like this. Arsenal top played 32, 71 points. Liverpool played 31, 63 points. That's quite a gap that's opened up there now. Palace played 32, 58 points. And we are back in fourth, played 31, 55 points. So just three point difference now, but with a game in hand, it's there. It's there to be taken. Europe beckons. Um, Man United have played 33, so a couple of games more than us. Three points behind us on 52 with Man City, who are our next opponents, sat just below them in sixth with play 32 and 49 points. Yeah, Liverpool was supposed to be playing Crystal Palace this weekend, but uh, because of the faffing around with the ZDS, that didn't happen. We do need them to win the league for us to get into Europe, though. So if they could jolly themselves up a little bit that would help yeah Arsenal's win they won at uh, Bramall Lane 2-0 against uh, Sheffield United to, to open up that gap so uh, it's a bit of an ask to get into Europe but we will we'll hang on for it I mean how many games have we got left now then only got a handful really to the run in towards the uh, the end of the season seven games left maybe not enough but let's just enjoy it eh <laughs> when have we ever enjoyed Leeds United <laughs> we'd have to go to Wimbledon again this season which is nice that's true we're looking um down the next set of fixtures Man City at home Liverpool at home QPR away the next three so hopefully we'll pick up a few more points there off the back of three straight wins those doubles Chelsea, Sunderland and Wimbledon across the uh, the Easter week and I think now we've stopped having to play four games a week that's making things a little bit easier as well the Liverpool match there that we mentioned has, uh, has already sold out so there's a real genuine keen interest um, for what should be an entertaining game do we want to let them win help them get to the title I mean might happen have to see Super League proposals who's talking about Super League I don't think this is for the good of the game do you what are they going to call it Premier League the FA Premier League it's one of the things they've voted on there's been a a vote of FA councillors backing four proposals one that the FA should establish a Premier League within its own administration not so that's taking it away from the Football League who currently run things this is a football association running their own league that the league be named the FA Premier League. The FA Premier League should start in season 
And then they've got to uh, disallow a football league regulation about teams giving three years notice to leave because all the first division clubs are fucking off to the FA's new competition because they'd rather play with Graham Kelly than Bill Fox, who is the football league president and is fuming. This is one thing that always confused me at the time was the difference um, between the FA and the Football League. And they're still confused to this day, aren't they, with the Football League's corrupt when it's the FA bringing charges against us for X, Y or Z. But two different bodies and the Football League itself was under the auspices of the Football League, what is now the EFL and the Premier League, sorry, the FA rather, oversaw like the England team and the administration of the game. Two different bodies. It has always seemed unnecessarily confused. But just let get one sort of competent organisation to do both things instead of normally what we've had is two slightly shit organisations doing a fairly poor job of both. But anyway, this this is sure to solve it all. Well, this is where they're intending for new television deals that will more accurately reflect the quality in the top flight. And also, um, one of the things that triggered it is um, next season, the first division is expanding from 20 teams to 22. And there's a feeling that um, greed has been driving that because they keep making the first division bigger because more teams want to be in the first division and getting the big television money and the FA's argument is that that's not good for the game because 22 teams means how many matches in a season? 46 and how many? It would be 42. 42. Fine. (laughs) Well there's more games than it is now and that won't help the England team because all the players will be tired out And so one of the uh, main intentions of the Premier League is to reduce the league over the first few years back not only to 20, but to 18, which then has the the argument from the other side is that rather than it being 22 clubs being greedy, it's 18 clubs wanting to keep the money. They're the the ones being greedy. And I think- Follow um, the money, follow the money. Well, I think it's, um, yeah, it's everybody's being greedy is probably the, the, you, you can't say- Sunderland, for example, who are bottom of the league and, and going to get relegated and might miss out on these riches are not being greedy because they would absolutely want to be in the top division and be part of, if it was, you know, a 30-team league or a six-team league, they wouldn't, they would still want they to should, be They it. should get on and do Premier League too, straight away, I think, in my opinion. That would solve definitely solve all the problems about um, wealth and the trickle-down of the money. And then there's the power struggle as well because the Football League don't want to be letting go of the control that they, they have over these teams and it's all a big... Uh, a big argument, but just um, talking about the number of the, the teams there, that's one thing that always confused me. So the intention is for an eighteen team league, but they're expanding the division to twenty two, uh, which they would then presumably have to take back down to twenty before you got to eighteen. It all seems a bit crazy and well, convoluted. That's it, doesn't it's it? the yeah. football league expanding the first division from twenty to twenty two, and then the Premier League. All those clubs will quit the football league, join the Premier League, and then. The Premier League will then reduce the number of teams through promotion and relegation over the next few years. Should just keep it at 20, shouldn't they, probably? Well, that, tell it to the Football League. They're I'm, the ones who are expanding. Well, they don't listen, do they? Well, no, exactly. And that's why everybody's got to go and form a Premier League instead of the FA. Do not blame them. And I quite Sick enjoyed uh, Graham Kelly denies that it's going to widen any uh, rich-poor split. <laughs> and there was um, a nice line in the, the Yorkshire Evening Post that said, uh, he says, they're not quoting him, but they're saying he has denied that it will only favour the big six clubs in the country, which uh, the Yorkshire Evening Post defines as Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, Everton, Manchester United and Leeds. I'm not sure that the same definition would uh, necessarily stand in Manchester or Liverpool or, or London, but um, hey, we're in the top, we're in the top six in the first division. Admittedly, 
So are Crystal Palace, and they're not included here. Um, and oh, Spurs I mean, are not. Wimbledon are not far from it either. There's the other thing. No, exactly. Yeah. The, so if you were reading the, the local paper in Merton, it probably would read favouring the big six of Wimbledon, Crystal Palace, QPR. I mean, the club secretary at this time is called Nigel Pleasance. He's not pleasant, is he, Nigel? What's he been doing? What a hoo-ha. A group of charity fundraisers from Armley, um, they did the Three Peaks Challenge, during which there was a big group of them and they took it in turns to, the word was haul their wheelchair-using friend up the Three Peaks, which is that quite is, an achievement. It bloody is. I mean, we've done those peaks, haven't we, Michael, at different times? And they're sort of mountains of about 750 metres, give or take, the three of them. And it's not easy to get up them. Hauling myself up them was <laughs> very difficult, I would say. So they were doing this to raise uh, funds in aid of a, a new ambulance for Leeds and District Sports Association for the Disabled. And as a recognition of their fundraising achievements, they were invited to do a lap of honour at Elland Road and then charged £151.20 <laughs> for their tickets. So they did get a, uh, a 10% discount. That'll be Fotherby. This sounds like Fotherby's <laughs> doing to me. The uh, Nigel Pleasance, the club secretary, says it was all a misunderstanding and they did have tickets that were stamped with the word guest, but somebody, um, it sounds like some Jobsworth, wasn't having that and charged them on the gate anyway and told them they couldn't come in but for a lap of honour. When you have guests at your house, you give them a bill at the end of the evening, don't you? That's the thing you do. You say, well, that, that wine wasn't cheap. John Parkin, who's the manager of Army Leisure Centre, says he won't be renewing his season ticket though as a result of yeah. this. Yeah, Pleasance, Nigel Pleasance has, is refunding the money and I think even in the report said it should be in their accounts now. But um, yeah, John Parkin, a lifelong Leeds fan, has had enough, didn't like their attitude and says he won't be renewing his season ticket. We heard recently about Gordon Strachan's baggy shorts. There was, uh, cra- it was a moral panic, wasn't it, about these baggy shorts that Scotland were donning in their their recent match that Strachan was pictured in and it looked like a, d- a dress on the man. That's the new Premier League look, isn't it? That's what they, that's what they want. A load of men running, jogging around in collots. But we've heard some, uh, well, some tales of largesse from the Scotland camp while Strachan was away on international duty. It's not only his shorts that are large, it's his Cadillac as well. <laughs> was Although, it, was uh, it a pink one? Doesn't mention the colour, just mentions the size. But I suppose, I mean, everything's big when you're Gordon Strachan. But he had Gary McAllister in it as well. They booked a large Cadillac limousine to take them straight back to Leeds after Scotland played Bulgaria at Hampden Park. And apparently a lot of fans thought it was for Rod Stewart when they saw it pulled up outside the Hampden main entrance and then saw Gordon Strachan and Gary McAllister getting into it and were very curious about it. We have got, I don't know if um, if we've got the audio of Gordon Strachan explaining uh, why they were... I've got it here. I'll press the button. Okay. It might seem a bit extravagant, but we cut out overnight hotel accommodation after the game, so our expenses cover the cost. The limo is very, very spacious, and both Gary and myself find it better to stretch out in the back and relax on the journey back to Leeds. We arrived at our respective homes around 3am and spent the rest of the night in our own beds. So you do it, isn't it? Limo straight home. It makes a lot of sense. Stretching out with some champagne. I imagine they had a glass of champagne they in must there. Have, they'll have had some beers. Refueling after an international football match. Get in the limo, get on the beers. It's like, okay, we might be going home, but but I love that there's the uh, the little money saving advice in there as well from a not at all a stereotypical <laughs> Scotsman. Oh, it you know it might seem extravagant to be uh, hiring a limo, but it, I'm actually saving money. <laughs> and interesting as well when he says um, uh, we cut out overnight hotel accommodation after the game, so our expenses cover the cost. They must have had to pay for their own hotel. Imagine telling Liam Cooper 
who's gone off to, to play for Scotland. Oh, and by the way, make sure you book a hotel because we're not fucking bothering. <laughs> well, maybe in the back of that limo, they were just toasting to our future European journey that's uh, that's going to be on the horizon for next season. I like it that there was just an assumption that it was for Rod Stewart as well, who's Scottish and seems like they'd have a limo. <laughs> well, the, the um, I wonder how the players will be travelling after the Wimbledon game because uh, part of the point of this story was that Strachan and Rod Stewart are very, very good friends. And Strachan had got him tickets for the Leeds game at Arsenal that Rod Stewart couldn't actually use because he was rehearsing for his new tour, which tonight... Is that coming to Allen Road? Uh, no, not on this tour. It's going to Birmingham. Though. I hope he does in future, though. And Rod has arranged for the whole Leeds team to go from Plough Lane to Birmingham to, uh, to see his concert. So that's where they will all be tonight. And hopefully they'll be in fine shape for when we play Manchester City back at Ellen Road. April the 10th, we'll speak to you then. The Match Ball. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.